Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to Dynamic Word Bible Studies. I am your host, Felicia DeRozier. This is my co-host, my daughter. Hi, it's Mariah. Yay, Mariah's back. And my other co-host, my son. Hi, my name's Cross. His name is Cross. Cross has a lot to talk about today. Mariah, we're so happy you're back. You were sick. I was. I didn't feel good. She was actually really sick. She went through some strep throat, and then uh, we think we had a gallbladder issue. I don't know. We spent a whole evening in the ER. It was fun, fun, fun. I'm so thankful you were there. <laughs> I'm going to tell you next time you need mother-daughter bonding time, let's not do it that way, okay? Fine. <laughs> so welcome to Dynamic Word Bible Studies, where God's word ignites powerful change. I am really excited. Okay, I'm not really excited. We'll talk about how excited I am about this teaching. It's been kind of crazy. It's called A Long Road Home, and we're really excited to present it to you because it's important stuff, but um, not usually the stuff that we talk about. Before we get into everything, you know it is our standard practice. We're going to go to a commercial break. Poor Mariah is going to be coughing just a little bit in the background, but I figured that we would... um, put up with that right now just so that we could have her. I'm so excited that she is back. So uh, without further ado, let's do some commercials here. Hello, Freedomizers. I am Broccoli Man. When I am not fighting crime, I listen to the Proof Negative radio show. I am the Wire Ripper. Not only do I forbid you to listen to Freedomizer radio and the Proof Negative radio show, I am going to demand you wear a mask and get your naked body scan. We need to protect the one world government. You getting the real information hurts a crime syndicate. Do not listen to proof negative. You must now disrobe this instant so I can check your person for a constitution or cash money. Anyway, listen to proof negative on Freedomizer Radio. Weeknights 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern. 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Time. Freedomizerradio.com. Earthing, also known as grounding, is the act of touching our body's skin directly to the earth, just like our ancestors did as they slept, sat, and walked on the ground nearly every day of their lives. This simple connection allows Earth's natural negative electrons to enter the human body, pacifying dangerous free radicals, which, if left unchecked, can cause severe damage to cells that can lead to many chronic diseases. Ground Therapy's patented process and suite of products were designed for you to experience all the benefits of grounding in your busy and modern lifestyle. And you'll experience the benefits of grounding within the safety and comfort of your home or office throughout the entire day, just as if you were touching the earth itself. The information is provided for general informational purposes only. The contents are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Ground Therapy Incorporated makes no representations about the efficiency, appropriateness, or suitability of any specific tests, procedures, treatments, services, opinions, healthcare providers, or other information that may be contained in or available through the information provided. Hello, everyone. I want to introduce you to our friends at Marty.com. At Marty, 
you can stock up on all your pantry items and other household items for way, way cheaper than traditional grocery stores. I like that most of the items are organic. Also, I really dig their one-cent deal of the day. It changes every single day. I recently snagged a 10-ounce bag of dog treats for Chewbacca for a penny. Normally, they sell on their site for $7.99. With the upcoming food shortages, this is my favorite place to stock up on canned goods. If you live in the mountain or Pacific time zones, you need to get with Marty.com. M-A-R-T-I-E.com. Look for our link on our FreedomizerRadio.com website and get a $10 free just because I told you to go there. Marty.com. Great deals, good feels. Have you looked at the price of Bitcoin lately? Cryptocurrencies are the hottest financial investment right now. Well, what if you can get free Bitcoin fractions by having an app on your phone or PC? Introducing Lolly, a website that rewards you with free Bitcoin pieces with your online purchases. You purchase from one of thousands of companies like Chewy, Old Navy, Groupon, and others. You get a percent of your purchase back in Bitcoin. Use my link on freedomizerradio.live or find me on Facebook for your special link to get started. Lolly, earn free Bitcoin while you shop. And we're back live with Dynamic Word Bible Studies. Again, this is your host, Felicia, my co-host and kiddos, Mariah and Cross. They're all here. We have a full house today. It's super exciting. Woo! Mariah's excited to be back because she was feeling like poo-poo last week. So she's uh, happy to be feeling better anyway. She might cough a little bit in the background. So first of all, let's just say beautiful day here in Las Vegas, Nevada. We we woke up, well, I mean, it, I like it. We woke up to thunderstorms, which for Nevada is really cool because we live in a desert. And anytime it rains, it's like this whole weather event. I understand other parts of the country get rain, but we were excited by it. Um, it's like going through a twister in California. Oh, right, right. It's just unique, right? So um, in other news, of course, we need to be praying for our friends in Florida who are going to be facing a hurricane around 3 or 4 o'clock this afternoon. Um, so uh, before we get started, why don't we uh, pray? Anybody want to pray? Guess that means I'm going to. Ready? <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We thank you for this opportunity to share your word and to talk about even some of the tough things. Lord, we pray for protection and provision for those who are facing the hurricane uh, that is hitting Florida this afternoon, Lord. And we pray for uh, your miraculous hand and covering to help prevent uh, any incidences and to let your light shine through in that situation, Lord. I pray that you cover our Bible study today and that the words that come from my mouth are your words and not my words. Minimize me and just let your light shine greater through me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so uh, the thing is is that, like, most people don't preach all the way through a book of the Bible. Did you ever notice that? Most people don't do that. Do you know why? I know why this week. Um, that's because it really doesn't matter what book of the Bible you preach through it's going to cover all those major topics, including the ones you don't want to talk about. And that's where we hit this week. Our topic this week is sin. 
And uh, what did you say about sin, Mariah? It's just one of those things we really don't like to talk about. Right, we don't. So I was like, you know, do you have a lot to say about sin? And she's like, no, nah, we don't really talk about sin. So today we're going to talk about sin, right, Carla? Uh, and it's like basically like you can't get to the good stuff, which we were talking about in the earlier weeks, without going to the bad stuff. That's true. And actually, um, I was talking to a friend of mine who um, who I, I know through our co-op, and um, she is from a different faith background. And so I started talking about my perspective of sin, and she was like, no, 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 I totally disagree with that. Uh <laughs> So it should be an interesting talk. You can feel free in that last hour to give us a call in. You can tell me you disagree with me. That's okay. Uh, I, I am good with that sort of thing. But let's talk just a little bit about, about sin. Now, um, Cross has a lot to say on this topic, and he's only going to be joining us for the first half hour because when we hit the actual scripture that Paul talks about, uh, I'm just going to say I don't think that it's um, super appropriate content for my 11-year-old to be talking on. Well, I, I don't think it's like it's me. It's not going to get that bad. But, but you know, we're going to talk about some things pretty frankly, and, and I wanted to talk about them frankly. I think they deserved a frank discussion and um, not for me to be censoring or, or uh, tiptoeing around things. So we're going to have cross exit the room at that point. <laughs> so uh, today we're going to talk about sin. Um, I like to think of the origins of sin in order to really fully understand sin. And I, I think that most of us have this understanding that sin has to do with right or wrong, which is interesting because when you look at um, the biblical definition for the word of sin, what it really is, it's an archery term. Um, and, and my son is suddenly very interested. My son is an archer, aren't you? Yes, I am. Okay, so what do we call a perfect shot? Bullseye. Bullseye. Where's the bullseye located? In the middle of the target. Middle of the target. Okay. Do you have a word for anything other than a bullseye? Sometimes we just call it a yellow because sometimes I'm too lazy to say bullseye. Um, And sometimes because we can't see from far away where it hits, and sometimes if we're certain that it hit yellow, we just call it a yellow. So in in ancient days, uh, they did archery too, right? Okay. So um, not on not on as good of bows, but they still did it. Right, and, and they probably didn't have those multicolored targets like you had, right? But they still had the concept of a bullseye, okay? So there was still that thing that was in the center, well done, perfect, right? And everything else that was not perfect was called sin. That's interesting. Okay. So I want you to keep that concept in mind when we're talking about ancient Hebrew and we're talking about sin was really they were talking about not the perfect shot. Okay. So uh, actually the Hebrew word for sin is hata and the Greek word is hamartia. So uh, instead of calling it sin, they would probably call it, oh, I hata the target. Right, so so we're not, we're, you know, I, I don't speak Hebrew, so I'm just going to call it sin. Is that okay? Okay, okay. <laughs> I've been given permission, folks. I can use English instead of Hebrew and Greek. Okay. <laughs> My Bible scholar across the way over here. All right, so so um, let's talk about original sin. Now, Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden, okay? 
And they're just chilling in the garden, right? And they were given access to everything, including the tree of life, right? We don't know how long they were in the garden, okay? It could have been been like 300 years before they sinned. Could have been, okay? I want to make a point that I never thought of until it was brought up in my my, uh, doctrines class. Um, But the serpent was already in the garden before they got there. Satan was already in the garden. So basically, Satan's already been cast down to earth, okay? And and uh, humans are being created behind enemy lines, if that makes sense. So that puts that whole go forth and multiply and subdue the earth into a whole new context because it was actually something to subdue, and that was the influence of Satan and um, the demonic forces on the planet, right? Very interesting. Never thought of that, right? Okay, so there was actually something to subdue, um, not just to have dominion over the wildlife and the wild of the earth, but also to subdue the evil that was in the earth. We were supposed to be God's lights sent into the earth, and we still are today. Um, But then sin enters in the world. Now, how does sin enter the world? Well, he asked us not to touch the tree in the garden um, that is the knowledge of good and evil, okay? And I never understood that. Like, doesn't God want us to be smart? That's kind of a weird thing, right? I don't know. That is pretty weird. Okay. So let me explain. Before we get the knowledge of good and evil, who is making the consistent calls as to what's good and what's evil? God. Right. So if God is the one who's making the call as to what's good and evil, who is empowered, enthroned, worshipped, idolized, who is the one in charge of our lives? God. Right. Okay. So it's not just a, so, so, you know, when Satan tempts Adam and Eve, it's not just that he's saying, well, then you'll be like God and you'll know good and evil. What's the benefit of knowing good and evil? You'll be a God. And how do you become a god? This is so. This is a strange concept. Okay, you become your own god, right? How does that work? You idolize yourself, and you start to make your own decisions as to what's right and wrong because you decide what is good and evil. I have I have a um, a gasp look across the way. Does that make sense, though? Okay, so now we're going to go back. Um, So think of it this way, okay? I I know it's not an apple, but we're going to pretend like it's an apple because a lot of people think of it as an apple, okay? You've got this proverbial apple on the tree, and that apple symbolizes um, who is going to have and reserve the judgment of the knowledge of good and evil. And when it remains on the tree, we allow God to decide what is good and evil and we follow his lead. But when we take that apple off the tree, we decide to take for ourselves that decision of what's good and evil, what's right or wrong in our own eyes. And as a matter of fact, I just want to point out, I'm not just making this up. If you go through all the ancient Hebrew texts in the Bible, you'll, you'll notice some strange phraseology. We don't always say someone is sinful or evil or that they're good or righteous. A lot of times the phraseology that they'll say is they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord or they they did what was right in their own eyes. That's right. 
So I'm not just making it up. This is a thing, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry, Mariah. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not just making it up. This is a real thing. Bring this back to that concept of sin, the archer's arrow, hitting the target. You either nail the target or you don't. There's no two ways about it. it it's not kind of sinful or kind of righteous. Does that make sense? I've had both happen to me. I think, I think we all have, okay? So, so that's the concept is that um, when we now, – now I'm going to talk about the kingdom of God, okay? So there's two kingdoms. We're born into war. We're created into war. And it's an epic war that we don't see. It's happening all around us, right? But it's a spiritual realm war. And that is the war between God and all that is good, right, and Satan and the demons, all this bad, okay? We're born into this chaos, right? And Satan's been cast down into the earth, so we're born in, in the battlefield, basically, okay? Um, and so you've got a kingdom of heaven, and then you've got this rebellious kingdom of hell. Now, remember, the concept of sin wasn't whether or not something was ethically, morally, in my perspective, good. It's not about my intentions. It has everything to do with is it submitted to God and his will or is it submitted to my will? Anything that's submitted to God and his will is righteous. Anything submitted to my will, no matter what I happen to think the moral, ethical um, uh, value of that is, is to a certain extent sin and therefore corrupt. Okay, does that make sense? And when I do what is good in my eyes, as the Old Testament says, I stand in rebellion against the kingdom of God. So thinking about, when we think about sin, we like to think about what we like, what we want to do, our own perspective, our justifications for the things that we do. We want to break away from that, and we want to think about this. If God's kingdom is real, we believe that it is, right? If God's kingdom is real, then when we don't stand aligned with God's kingdom and we haven't made God our Lord, we stand as treasonous rebels against his kingdom. And I don't think that it's a far stretch at all to say in any way, shape, or form, you know, we, we live in the United States. The United States is, you know, land of the free, home of the brave not going to go too far into that, okay, because, you know, it's been a rough couple of years. But um, we do expect that even in the United States, where people are allowed to say and do what they think that they want to, um, oh, okay, thank you. Uh, we're, trying not, we're trying to avoid the dead spots. Uh, let me see if I can swap to um, – I understand the recording always comes back a little better. If I can see if that helps. Okay. Hopefully that will help our quality there. Um, but it, even in the United States, when someone commits treason, the penalty for treason is death. Okay. And, and we don't question that, right? Like we don't go, well, that's not really fair. I mean, what if they didn't mean to be treacherous? Right? That's, that's, that's literally not a thing. Oh, I accidentally committed treason. That's not a thing. Right, right, right. But we do by nature commit treason against the kingdom of heaven because now, remember, all things are born after their own likeness, right? And so now we're all born with the apple in our hand proverbially. 
And now we have to, our, our life's goal is to put the apple back on the tree and to be in righteous alignment with God's kingdom. And that's the difference between sin and righteousness, okay? And we all know that, of course, the wages of sin is death. And we understand why now. Because it's not just that I decided to do what I want to do this afternoon. It's because my attitude of deciding for myself all the time stands in contrast to the kingdom of God. And I am not just a sinner, but a rebel. Make sense? Now, Cross has some things to say about sin, right? I'm going to hand this over to you, buddy. All right. So, like I mentioned earlier, the <clears throat> so sin isn't usually a word that we just use in conversations a lot. But uh, sometimes, like, uh, in the Bible study, you'll, he- you'll hear it a lot. But, uh, the like I said earlier, Hebrew word for sin is hata. Uh, it's spelled K eight, so that makes a t- sound. Uh, and then the Greek word is hamartia, and I'll get to that in just a minute. But in the Hebrew language, hata doesn't even mean directly sin. It just simply means to fail or miss the goal. Um, and basically, if yeah, and that's the archery term that we were talking about. Uh, and if you failed or missed the goal, like spiritually, then you are not aligned with God's kingdom and you need to make that right. So, uh, when, so Cain and Abel, basically, uh, Abel offered, both of them offered a sacrifice to God and only Abel's offer was accepted. But, like, some people are like, well, why? But the Bible actually tells us beforehand that uh, Cain tended the ground, so he would, like, plant, so he would do the plants, he would make the food, and Abel was actually a shepherd, he was the first shepherd, and so he would actually tend the sheep, which is basically where we get the whole sheep sacrifice later in Leviticus. Uh, usually they'd use sheep, goats, rams, but like all leading to the same idea, the foreshadowing later that Jesus was the lamb sacrificed for our sins. Mm-hmm. And in Judges, oh man, those people are screwed up, but I'm not even going to get to that uh, right now, but... So later in Paul, which is uh, what our series is, Romans through Romans, um, he talks about being a slave to sin. And homartia is actually more related to sin than hata is. So uh, homartia means to be spiritually incorrect about something. So uh, he says that... uh, He writes in one of his books that we are a slave to sin, and he even says that sin lives in us. So so no matter how hard we try, we're never going to be perfect. But then, after he delivers the bad news, he delivers the good news as well, that Jesus was sacrificed for our sins, so that uh, we don't have to be perfect, because he was perfect, and we don't... 
we don't need to actually try to be perfect. Great sum up there, buddy. Now, I just want to, like, I'm going to shout out right now because you get a lot of your content from a particular Bible study group online. So I'm going to shout out to, what is it? Bible Projects. They're awesome. They're awesome. I love their videos. Uh, Really cool. I love to listen to them just in my free time. Right. So the Bible Project is where a lot of that information came from, right? Um, So, yes. So we're talking about sin. Now, now let's talk about something else because this kind of came up as I was praying and I was reading through things and um and it's the concept of uh of of being um entirely bad, wholly corrupt as people, okay? People are born into a sinful nature because we're born after the flesh of those who have already fallen and the flesh is corrupt, okay? Um and so uh, there's there's a concept out there that people are totally depraved, okay? And deprived. depraved. He says deprived? No, depraved. Depraved means completely bad, okay? So um, so so completely corrupt, like Lamech, like Lamech, Lamech. Um, so completely corrupt, as in there's there's nothing good about people. Okay, so so let me give you the the example is that um, once a human is corrupted, they're considered all bad and they can't do anything good. And I'm going to say this is that I think again, again the the deal is moral neutrality um, is an issue here. Okay, if you say we can't do anything good, I don't think that's necessarily true. The first fact, okay, so I have a question. This didn't come through our chat, but you can get on our chat if you want to ask a question that way. Um, but I actually have a question, and I'll, I'll address it in just a second. Let me uh, get through this thought really quick, and then I will come back to that, okay, Valia? So just leave it there because I'll forget. Okay. <laughs> so um, I want to talk about total depravity really quick because it, it's an interesting concept because I think that we go back and forth on it. We think to ourselves, well, we can't do anything good, Okay. Um, but we are going to occasionally do something that's aligned with God's will, and, and God's going to um, enable us with his power and glory to do that because it happens to be aligned with God's will, kind of like, you know, a, a broken clock is right to, twice a day, right? Okay, it's incidentally right, if that makes sense, okay? So, um, but uh, my my illustration for this was that humans are made in the image of God, and God said it was good. I don't get to argue with whether or not it's good because God said it was good and he gets to be the authority on what's good and what's bad. Unless I want to say that I have that apple off the tree and I'm going to decide, right? Now, sin corrupts people, but let's pretend like you have a bottle of water, okay? And you take one little drop of arsenic and put one little drop of arsenic, which is I'm contextualizing this for my 11-year-old son in case he doesn't know. It's a very strong poison that will kill you, okay? So you put one little drop of arsenic in the whole bottle of water. I hand you the bottle of water and I say, take a drink. What are you going to say? I mean, do I know that you put the arsenic in there? Yeah. I'm going to say, oh, heck no. Okay, heck no. Why? Because I know that that poison will kill me. Well, it's just one little drop. No. Okay. Okay, so there's the thing. The one drop, I'm going to give 
big people words to this, okay? The one drop corrupts the entirety of the vessel. But is it still water? Is water still good? No. I mean, is water in general good? Not. Uh, yeah, it is. But I thought you said, is it still good? No. The arsenic in the water is what's corrupted and made it bad, right? Does that make sense? Okay. And by itself, it will kill. But if I were to find some way to process the arsenic out of the water, would it still be water? Yes. And if I could process that arsenic completely out of the water, would it be good? Yes. Okay. And so let's say I go through the whole process of it, it still is water. Does that make sense? And that's the way I view humans is that people, we're, we're made with the handprint of the Lord on us. We are in, in the image of God. He said it was good. The sin is not good, and it corrupts, and it will kill us if we don't find a way to purify that out, but that doesn't make us wholly depraved. Does that make sense? And then, so let me, real quick before we hit commercial break, wouldn't the first sacrifice, this is our question, wouldn't the first sacrifice be when God sacrificed an animal to cover Adam and Eve's nakedness? Yes, that is when the first sacrifice took place. Um, Yes. So that is when the first sacrifice takes place. There's actually a series of sacrifices that are all um, there to train us to look for Jesus, the Messiah, the sacrificial lamb for our sins. So if you're still listening, um, that's the quick answer on that. I think that Mariah is going to be to be keying that in for you as well. Um, But you see a whole series of sacrifices. And yes, the first one is when God sacrifices an animal to use the skin of the animal to cover Adam and Eve's sin. Um, there is a whole, whole, like, teaching on that that we can go into, but probably not today. For right now, let's head over to commercial break yet again, and then we will come back and we will start on our Bible study in Romans. Earthing, also known as grounding, is the act of touching our body's skin directly to the earth just like our ancestors did as they slept, sat, and walked on the ground nearly every day of their lives. This simple connection allows Earth's natural negative electrons to enter the human body, pacifying dangerous free radicals, which, if left unchecked, can cause severe damage to cells that can lead to many chronic diseases. Ground Therapy's patented process and suite of products were designed for you to experience all the benefits of grounding in your busy and modern lifestyle. And you'll experience the benefits of grounding within the safety and comfort of your home or office throughout the entire day, just as if you were touching the earth itself. The information is provided for general informational purposes only. The contents are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Ground Therapy Incorporated makes no representations about the efficiency, appropriateness, or suitability of any specific tests, procedures, treatments, services, opinions, healthcare providers, or other information that may be contained in or available through the information provided. Did you know that every time you swipe your debit card, those behind-the-scenes transaction fees make the big banks even richer? In 2016 alone, these fees added up to $60 billion. Yes, that's billion with a B. Well, what if there was a way to have the convenience of a debit card, but reroute those fees from the banksters to organizations actually doing good in the world? Organizations that protect the environment or feed hungry children? 
What if your swipes could literally change the world? Well, Groundswell SPC has found a way to do just that. We've designed a Visa debit card program that shares transaction fees with your favorite cause. Groundswell partners with nonprofit organizations that promote the card to their supporters. Their supporters then use the card to power the mission of the nonprofit. It's a win-win-win for everyone, except the big banks, of course. Groundswell is about to launch its first cards into market, and we're inviting you to be part of this movement as an investor in the company. Go to WeFunder.com backslash Groundswell card to learn more. Set up a free WeFunder account and invest in Groundswell today and get your money on mission. Imagine waking up in a trunk. What is grooming? What if I told you we had a 40% increase of human and sex trafficking in our country due to COVID lockdowns? We already had high numbers to begin with. One's Purpose is an amazing organization pounding the pavement every day, helping these survivors get help. Unfortunately, they do not have the funding they need for a safe house. In the state of Oregon, we have zero safe houses for these survivors who have endured the most heinous of crimes. The time is now to get involved. The time is now to help stop human trafficking. Please go to onespurpose.com to get involved. If you need help and if you know someone who needs to get help, please contact 541-221-3448. Make a donation. Make a difference. Welcome back to Dynamic Word Bible Studies. This is Felicia joined with my co-host. Hi, it's Mariah. Mariah's my kid. That's the that's the deal. If you're just joining us and you don't know, that's my daughter. Uh, normally we're joined by my son also, but he stepped out for this particular uh, study because I just felt like it might go in different places that maybe would not be as appropriate for my 11-year-old son. Um, so we're going to talk about that. Today's topic is sin and the road home. And uh, today's scripture verses are going to be Romans 1, 18 through 32. So if you have a Bible, feel free to open it up. Um, I am going to be reading starting now. We're going to start with the scripture. For the wrath of God is revealed against uh, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So we are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their, hold on, I've got to skip the page, thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies amongst themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for the women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men com committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, 
They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedience to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. That's the scripture for today. Kind of heavy, right? Mm-hmm. So um, this scripture is uh, interesting and fun. Um, <laughs> when I saw that was the one we're going to teach on, I was like, oh, yay. Um, so I want to um, start off by saying that, you know, you can get through a lot of that scripture and be like, whew, I'm safe. Uh, and then you get to the end of it, and you're like, oh, yeah, at least one of those applies to me. That was a nice list there of, of bad things, right? And I'm pretty sure that we all have violated something in that list. So um, basically, we're going to be talking about how the hearts of people are corrupt, and we willingly walk further and further away from God, but God provides a way back home. Um, the one thing that the scripture makes absolutely clear in there is, was it God who turned his back on us? No, no, it's us that turns our back on him. Um, and uh, obviously we're dealing with a hot topic issue there, um, which is Paul's using the whole um, concept of homosexuality to give us a clear picture of the descent into sin. Now, why does Paul use this example? Like this is a really long time ago, folks. We're still dealing with a lot of the same issues here, right? Um, and, uh and and really, I think that Paul uh, sums it up really nicely to say that basically we're all in the same boat. I don't think that he's necessarily calling out homosexuals and pointing fingers at them. I, because when he starts talking about um, malice and gossip and hypocrites, and I mean, that's all of us, right? Like, we, we all fall somewhere in that list. Am I correct? Yes. So so we're not doing the whole, you know, um, these, these people bad me good thing here. Um, I think that he's using that. Um, to describe the fall of a human into sin, that descent. And why would he be using it? Well, um, he is preaching in Rome. He's writing a letter to Rome. And in Rome, these are very normal, very day-to-day types of things that they're facing. Um, The homosexual, uh, there was a a big, I don't know, I'm not even going to say homosexual revolution. It was just quite culturally acceptable for men to engage in that kind of um, intimate affair. And it was um, almost as acceptable for women, too. It was basically free sex for all, and you could do whatever you wanted to. So this was actually, for them, a contemporary issue just like this for today. So the question remains, like, how do we get back to God when we've rebelled and walked away from him? Um, so let's, let's start out with most people have a thousand excuses as to why they do the things that they ought not to. I've even heard people blame God and shake their proverbial fist at him, uh, claiming that he made them that way. He made us broken. He made us sinful, you know, and, 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 um, you know, of course we're going to be talking about homosexuality. And so it's appropriate to say that there are a lot of folks who say I'm born this way, Right. I would say I don't necessarily doubt that. We're all born into sin, and we're all born into the flesh. Um, And so I'm not even going to say whether or not I doubt that. Um, Of course, we know that we're indeed born into sin and into a broken world. Um, Is God at fault for our sin and just punishing us, or 
is he somehow to blame for our situation or are we to blame for our situation? And has a loving father provided a way home? Um, now, remember, we're, we're uh, rolling with that whole biblical definition of sin, that whole missing God's mark of perfection because we're not in his will, holding the proverbial apple of the tree to make my own decision as to what's right and wrong instead of submitting to what God decides is right and wrong. And so um, we're, we're using this sexual dissent as the example, but you could fill any sin in, whether it's um, deceitfulness or gambling or, uh, you know, I mean, we live in Las Vegas, so gambling's pertinent, right? Um, or if it's covetedness or if it's, you know, like whatever sin, you name it, you could put it in the same place. Um, I think that sexual sin is a good place to start, and that's because it's a sin against your own body, which we know our body is the temple of the Lord. So it's particularly difficult. Um, so Paul demonstrates our descent into spiritual bondage and habitual sin, and he makes it clear that we've moved away from God and his glory, not the other way around. We are not these innocent victims of the devil, but instead we're willing rebels intent on deceiving ourselves and others to break away from God's authority. And that's a little bit shocking to us because we kind of think, okay, yeah, I intentionally did such and such. But he really outlines this whole thing about how we fail and it hits home. Like it seriously hits home for me. Um, While it's not very flattering to us, it is possible to be reconciled to God and find our way home but only once we fully understand our role in the separation that we have from God, we have to be able to recognize our rebellion and surrender to the Father who will insist that we become wholly pure like his son measure by measure. So there's six steps that are outlined here in how we walk away from God. Um, (coughs) Poor Mariah, she's feeling better, but she's awfully quiet this morning. So we'll notice how sin warps and twists the believer's thinking as we go. So the first step is I lie to myself about God refusing to see the truth because I don't want a holy God telling me what to do. Okay. And and again, we can use any sin as the model. Okay. So the very first thing uh, when Eve is talking to the serpent in the garden and he says, did God really say and she starts to misrepresent what God said. Now, whether or not that was intentional or whether or not she just didn't quite understand, um, she says, you know, not only are we not supposed to eat of it, we shouldn't even touch it or we'll die, right? Um, the wrath of God in um, these verses here, it doesn't mean a fit of anger like we think of. It's not like God just just losing his cool and, and going at us. Um, but it, it rather means an impartial justice, okay? And and God's justice is very impartial. And so uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week uh, because here specifically Paul is talking to the Gentiles in the audience uh, for, for the Romans, um, but impartiality really falls in when he starts to address um, those people who are who are Jewish and of Jewish descent in the audience, okay? Um, but he is impartial, and he simply sees that you are either in rebellion against him or you're not. Why do we reject God? Well, um, his standard of holiness really runs counter to the desires of the flesh. 
um, we, especially in that secular humanist society, think eat, drink, and be merry. Um, and he calls us to crucify the flesh. And that's a lot harder than eat, drink, and be merry. Wouldn't you sometimes like to do your own thing? Absolutely. Like, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I have trouble sometimes thinking to myself, well, what would God have me do in this particular instance, right? Mm-hmm. So um, his authority and the threat of accountability also offends our independence. I think this is like really a hanging point for Americans. We could just stop the Bible study right there. Like we, we want our independence. Uh, we relish it. We fight for it. We fight for our rights. And the government can't tell us what to do. And unfortunately, I think that it can be really difficult to raise uh, godly people in a society where we know that we have certain rights that are allotted to us uh, according to the government, but then we're supposed to submit all of our rights, activities, and actions to a holy God. Um, it, it can be a really, really tough call. So I think that um, sometimes as an American, that can be a, a really hard hurdle to get by. Um, and also his reward lies in this distant future, which requires a lifetime of patience and obedience. I'm not always patient. How about you? Nope. Um, I also wanted to make, um, sh- make a special note here. When, it, when the verse says that their hearts were darkened, um, it basically means that they're obscuring God's light, and it's passive in our part, which means that as we move away from God, God stops manifesting himself in our life in uh, more powerful ways. That's going to be important next week, okay? Um, and another thing is, um, this is this is really crazy too. When we read the verse, you know how it said that they're filled with malice and hatred and that, that long, long list of all the things that we're filled with? Mm-hmm. So the word um, that means to be filled there is the same word that we use for being filled with the Holy Spirit. So you're just filling the container with a different power source. Uh, and and could be a really negative one, just saying. Like, you know, how 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 into spiritual warfare do we want to get there? But let's just say that you're you're indwelling yourself with something other than the Holy Spirit and something that's very dark and not okay. All right? So um the next step is I create a whole new God who I can control and will let me do what I wanna do. Um and and don't think we're above that, okay? So, you know, in the ancient world, they used to create these carved images that look like people or animals or or whatever. <laughs> I just I just lost the um, switchboard. Uh, if you could pull up Blog Talk Radio on your phone, just in case we don't get it back, that would be great. Um, I don't like it when my computer likes to do things on its own. Um, So anyway, um, we are not above doing that in this day and age. We have a tendency um, just to create our own kind of idol. Um, It just looks really different. Um, it, It may be that we worship self or wealth or power or social status, the universe, sexuality, sexual expression. Um, it could be that we're um, worshiping the stars or any identity other than that which God has given us. Um, it could be any of those things. So <laughs> my computer is just like doing its own thing completely. This is fun. What is this? Talk radio. 
Oh, yeah, you have to log. Oh, okay, okay. Um, go to the switchboard. So at least we have something up just in case um, my computer decides not to work at all. Okay. Um, also, uh, it isn't religion that offends people, but it's God's holiness and his standards. We don't really want to meet his standards. Like, we're kind of okay with God as long as we don't have to listen to him, right? And that is really problematic. <laughs> um, so uh, next I would say uh, the next step, this is step number three, is in my attempt to free myself from God's authority, I find myself increasingly under the pressure to fulfill the desires of the flesh. So the further away from God I get, the more pressure there is for me to fulfill the desires of the flesh. Um, basically, whatever you feed grows stronger. If you feed the flesh, the flesh grows stronger. If you feed, this grows stronger. Um, sexual sin is a really good example of this because we inflict it against our own bodies. And so we're literally partnering with feeding the flesh. Um, so that's probably why he's using that example there. Um, let me see if I can close this out completely. It's fun to talk and work on your computer at the same time. It makes sense. Um, so step number four, I become enslaved to my own appetites, especially sexually. Um, and it becomes increasingly distorted from God's original purpose and design. This applies to all works, activities, and, and pleasure. Think about things like writing or music, um, but it's most obvious in sexuality. So, like, music obviously put together to honor the Lord and, and to um, worship and praise him. Music is a very good thing. But the further away from God's um, intended purpose we get, we get all sorts of um, lyrics that are defaming God or um, can be... Uh, defaming ourselves. Or, or defaming, yeah, say that again. Defaming ourselves. Right. Um, that was exactly what I was looking to say. Um, as our social construct moves further and further from God, we should expect that we are seeing this sexual revolution in American culture, that the further away from God's purpose of sex that we get, um, the more and more uh, distorted it's going to appear, and the more that um, things that don't even resemble God's form and function of sex are going to be prevalent in the culture. Guys, it's our fault. Uh, we have all decided that we are going to decide for ourselves, my body, my choice, and the further away from God's plan we get, the more we're going to descend into an area where things that would normally be um, unthinkable would be thinkable. Um, I, I keep hearing things about um, people trying to normalize pedophilia, and I'm like, that's just not okay. But um, just know that it will become increasingly and increasingly more um, unlike the model that God had uh, for sexuality. Um, I can't even see the time now. Um, okay, if you can get to uh, video. Okay, then we can at least run commercials while I'm trying to figure out how to get this back up. Okay. Um, number five, I change my values to align with my rebellion in order to relieve the tension between my conscience and my behavior. This is located in verse 28 through 31. Perfect. Thank you. Um, 
Sin's corruption of my soul presses me to accept and encourage and engage in all kinds of unrighteous behavior. Um, it grows uncontrolled like a parasite. Um, I feel most comfortable and surround myself with others who are also silencing God's voice. Um, so there's that whole um, aspect of it as well. And then finally, while I can never fully escape my conscience, in order to silence its voice even further, I encourage other people to follow my example. I kind of become an, an evangelist for my own anti-God religion, uh, where I um, or my idol is the center of worship. Here it's possible to damage my own integrity so much that God stops trying to um, stops trying to connect with me, and my conscience almost completely falls silent. Um, and, and the thought I, I was thinking of is like, have you ever had someone in your life? <laughs> my computer is actually updating right now. We've had this problem before. And I actually turn on my computer like a full hour before we get on, so it doesn't happen, but it's happening. Here it's happening live. Um, have you ever been in a relationship with someone who you really cared about, but you finally end up giving up on that person um, to change their ways? And it's not that we grow tired of the continued behavior. Eventually we begin to understand that they've chosen their path, and we're not on that path. And we can't change people. And that's kind of the way that God is when he gives us over. It, it's not that he doesn't love us or hasn't wanted to try or continue. It's it's literally just at some point we go, he goes, yeah, you're not on my path and you're not coming back. So there you go. Have at it. Um, you know, it, it's, it's turning his back on us. Uh, if we brought ourselves to the state, are we beyond hope? And I think that that's where we're going to um, pause for a minute and do some commercial breaks before we get into our Q&A. I want to talk to us about our road home and how we get there, but I'd like it to be uninterrupted. So I'm going to go ahead and put us through commercial breaks. Hey everyone, come check out the Proof Negative Radio Show here on FreedomizerRadio.com Monday through Thursday, 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. on the Pacific Coast as we fight the New World Order and rock the health freedom world together. So let's talk about what's going on in America. Freedom is under attack in your state. Dictator Ron DeSantis incredibly lets you walk around without masks. That tyrant allows your kids to go to school during the pandemic, year two or four, or who the hell knows. I urge you living in Florida to join the fight. Or join us in California, where we'll take the money you earn and give it to people who don't work. Visit San Francisco, where you can walk through human feces. If you're lucky, you might step on a syringe. Check out Los Angeles, where gas is so expensive, your kids only need to skip a meal or two or ten to afford it. California, where freedom means lockdowns for you, while I go to the places you can't afford. Don't let them take your freedom. Come to California, where we'll take you, along with your money. Food waste is one of the most easily solvable problems, literally the low-hanging fruit of environmentalism. Pardon the pun, it's my job. About 20% 
of all produce never makes it off the farm. It's because they just look a little funny, a little weird, but when you cut into it, it's perfectly good food. It's just a total shame. It's totally good stuff. We buy ugly produce directly from farms that often would go to waste because supermarkets won't buy it because of how it looks, and we deliver it to people's doors. that ugly at all like that's the most common first box like complaint we get we change that we educate people we show them how amazing these fruits and vegetables are have food delivered to your house box of produce every week and it's more affordable at a very reasonable price cheaper than the grocery store i spend a lot less time in grocery stores it's an adventure every time that you open your box high quality produce there's nothing wrong they taste exactly the same, if not better. Save those fruits and vegetables that get wasted every year. And it's delivered to your door like, but what you, why wouldn't you do? Why wouldn't you do? Please go to our website, freedomizerradio.live, and sign up for Imperfect Foods today. Use our promo code and get money off your first order. Go ahead and get some organic and all-natural meats, dairy, snacks, breads, and non-GMO produce. Hey, everyone. Proof here. Just wanted to ask you guys, are you guys tired of all the mask ordinances that are passing all over the place with people telling you that you're not allowed to buy and sell unless you have a piece of fabric over your face? Well, we sure are tired of it. Please check out realbarefaceislegal.org and help us get together to fight these mask ordinances. You can also find Bareface is Legal on Facebook, either as a group or a business page. Anyway, help us fight back against these stupid mask mandates. RealBarefaceIsLegal.org And we're back with Dynamic Word Bible Studies. This is Felicia. I'm joined with my daughter, Mariah. Um, We have been talking about sin and the descent into sin. Um, and it is a really kind of a scary road. Um, of course, uh, Paul uses um, homosexuality as the model here. Uh, my, my point was that I think that we could use any sin as a model there. Um, and I think that we all uh, work into this whole lying to ourselves about who God is and moving in a direction all our own and um, making ourselves or something else that we can control or put into a box um, our God instead, because it's what we're more comfortable with. And um, the point of the entire scripture was that uh, we turn our back on, to, on God, not the other way around. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and um, I'm going to talk for about five more minutes, and then I'm going to open up to callers. So if you want that, that um, guest call-in number, it's going to be 319-527-6208. If you press the number 1, uh, we will know that you're interested in talking to us. Also, the chat room is open. If you uh, want to tell me that I'm crazy, uh, you can do that. That's fine. I'm open to that. Uh, <laughs> so uh, if we brought ourselves into this state, are we beyond hope? When I come to a crisis, I become desperate, and God can reach out to us in those times of deep honesty. Um, Mariah, do you want to look up uh, for me Luke 15:11, And uh, we'll read some scripture, but... Um, Luke is actually a really great place to start because uh, Luke was good friends with Paul, and this is going to be very reflective of what Paul thinks 
about how we get home. And it is the story of the prodigal son. So I'm going to read it uh, live real quick for you. Um, To illustrate the point further, Jesus told him a story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. A few days later, this young son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money on wild living. About that time that his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired hands have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So when he returned home to his father, and when he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servant, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now is found, so the party must begin." Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the, in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed a fatted calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to, and in all that time you never even gave me one young goat for a feast for my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money in the prostitutes, you celebrate him by killing the fatted calf? His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We have to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So um, that's going to be our basis right there. Luke, That was Luke 15, 11 through 32. Um, and... Oddly enough, you know, we've gone through this before, but it's, but it's going to be, again, um, we see in the story of the prodigal son that how we come back to God after living a life of sin. First, we repent. Uh, verse 17 says, stop lying to yourself and admit the mess that you've made. Uh, recognize that it was me who rejected God and not vice versa. And I must understand that returning means submitting to a holy God who will insist um, and will assist me as I become increasingly like his son, Jesus. Um, Philippians 1, 6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So I know I have to assist in the process, and I have to be willing to be a part of the process of him refining me, but he helps me to do that work, and that's really amazing. Uh, Secondly, I need to believe. But what do I need to believe? Like, is it okay just to believe that God's there? I I mean, I have to believe who God is and no longer deceive myself. I need to believe in my loving Father. I have to believe in the restoration available through Jesus Christ, and I need to put God in the proper place of authority in my life. And then finally is to receive. But what do I receive? I think that we just do that whole, like, believe, receive thing and just expect that people know what we're talking about. We don't always. 
we do need to receive God's restoration, okay? Uh, We need to receive God's mercy as he covers my sin. And that, now if you want to go back to the story, this like super mind-blowing, right? Okay, God covers our sin. Think about the robe that he puts on the prodigal son. That's the covering of sin. He restores our authority, and that is evident in the ring that he puts on his finger. And he welcomes us back into the family, and that has to do with the sandals that were slept on his feet because servants didn't wear sandals. Um, And we are supposed to receive the Holy Spirit, and that, of course, is our seal, knowing that the Lord will come back to us and that we will be reunited with him again. And that finally does end that Bible study. That was a long one. Long one, long one on a tough topic. I don't know. What did you think? It was all very interesting. Well said. Uh, not not one of those topics that you want to talk about all the time, though, right? No. No? <laughs> it, it's a tough topic to talk about. And I have um, I, I have so many friends who would disagree with me on a, a lot of this stuff. Um, unfortunately, I'm here to just present what the Bible says about it. And we're all in the same boat, you guys. We're all... Um, in a place where we need to repent of our sin and turn to the Lord. And, um, and we're all also made in the image of God. And so we know that he loves us and wants to turn us back to him. So let's start some question answer. Um, this is the best time for you to call in, call in. Let's talk about uh, the things that are on your mind. Uh, anything that you have to add to that study that we just did, uh, any additional questions you have. Uh, the number is 319 319- Five two seven six two zero eight. Press one to be put in the queue so that we know you want to talk to us. That is three one nine five two seven six two zero eight. Of course, you can also uh, key in your question to the chat. I am here looking at it. I neglected to put in a message because my computer crashed in the middle of all this. But the computer's back up, so I can see you if you're in chat. Um, did we have another uh, question, comment, or anything like that? This is. Uh, we have one friend who personally knows us, is listening, and is texting um, on our phone <laughs> at the time. Uh, let's see here. Um, yes, you're right. Uh, she says that she doesn't think that God was clear on the type of fruit, uh, fruit that Adam and Eve ate. Yes, that's why I said that we use it. Um, we'll, we'll just call it an apple because very often we talk about the proverbial apple on the tree. And when we talk about original sin, it is demonstrated as an apple, but um, it was probably some fruit that we don't know. So don't stop eating apples. They're not going to cause you to sin, Um, you know, but uh, rather than continuing to say the fruit of the tree of good and evil, I was using apple as the demonstration, but clearly it was not an apple. Right. Um, Let me see here. Okay. So, Let's talk about our questions, our first question. And, again, you can call in and, and uh, talk about this if you would like. Have you ever thought of sin as doing wrong things instead of right things? How does the concept of sin as rebellion against God's will change how you view sin? Sorry, I need that question again. <laughs> She's over here typing. <laughs> I said, have you have you um, thought of sin as doing right things and wrong things? Um, and how does your concept of sin as rebellion against God, uh, against God's will change how you view sin? It's just such a worry question. Okay. So, so let's take it in two parts. Um, 
were, were you thinking of, of sin before as doing right or wrong? Oh, look at this. Okay, hold on. We've got a caller in. Uh, let's see here. Let's see if I can bring you on. This is our first time bringing on a caller, so let's see if it works. Hi there. You are live with Dynamic Word Bible Studies. Who's this? Good morning. This is Avelia. Hi. How are you? You're alive and on air. I'm... Oh, no. <laughs> how you guys? <laughs> how you guys doing? We're doing good. It's just us. We're we're in uh, the bedroom. It's fine. We're 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 cuddling up in bed. This is how we do our Bible study together, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so our question. Oh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine, thank you. Oh, what did you think of today's study? Well, you know, when you're studying the Word of God, it's like, what what is not good about the Word of God? So, so it doesn't Amen. get any better than that. <laughs> I love it. And did I, you have something you then, you wanted to talk about? Well, um, Mariah, she texted me. You know, we've been communicating through to um, Messenger over here, and she she asked me what stood out, and you were talking about, you know. Um, the promises of God, you know, like salvation, grace, and you could go on and on and on. And my response mm-hmm. to that was his promises that are spoken throughout the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And and the promises are spoken throughout the Bible from the very, very, very beginning. Um, from from the moment that mankind sins, sins um, God gives us the promise of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation through Christ. Um, and they didn't have words for it at the time, right? Um, but you start to see it come through there and you see it continue to be foreshadowed in every event that takes place from the very beginning of of man on earth um, to Jesus on the cross and um, for us waiting here as his church for his second coming. So I agree absolutely. I think that's really interesting where it's like the promises, how important they are, because we, how to put this, I, I run a business, and um, I always tell my contractors that even if I verbally agree with them on something, they have to write it down and send it to me, otherwise it doesn't exist. And that's like business 101. If it's not written down, it doesn't exist. And a lot of businesses will use it as, oh, well, you don't have any paperwork that says that this happened, so it didn't. And with us, with us we have the, the Bible as a written statement, but we also have Jesus, who is the word of God, that is, um, it says, in the beginning was the word, the promise. And the word was God, and the word was with God. So God in himself is the promise and the guaranteed statement that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. It's not just the words in a book that we read every day. It's the identity and deity being promising his own promise. Well, and and I think in, in uh, Middle Eastern culture in the time, um, 
sorry, kiddo. Um, and at the, at the time, it wasn't necessarily about uh, the written deed like, like what it is in business now, um, but it's very convenient for us because we do care so much about the written word, right, uh, that we have the Bible and the written word, but uh, the language that, that the promise is presented in consistently through the Old Testament is in covenant. And the and and so you see it come up again and again and again. God promising, but promising through covenant. Um, but we had a we had a whole show on that, so I won't bemoan that at all. Um, what do you guys think is a barrier to sub- submitting or surrendering fully to God? And it doesn't have to be your barrier. Like, don't call yourself out if you don't want to. <laughs> um. Well, before we, I could answer that maybe um, when you were talking about like the back in the Middle East, you know, with uh, and like Mariah was saying about you know, God is the Word. He's always been the Word, almost like He's um the stamp of approval. You know, it's like Amen. Put Jesus' name. It's you know, it's like there's no in between. It's just the Word of God, Jesus. You know. And um, also, like, with contracts and stuff, you know, um, I know there's a story in the Bible and where at one point they used a sandal as a part of a contract or of an agreement. I can't remember exactly how that story mm-hmm. went. But then that could that's be for in, another That's in Ruth, isn't it? Day. Yeah, I think that's, I I think that's in Ruth. Do you yeah, do you is. remember the context of that, Mariah? Yeah. So Boaz um, is getting the agreement to marry Ruth, but he has to go through the right order of things. So he meets with all of the men at the gate, and he asks the um, other relative who is in closer relations to Ruth, like, "Hey, you're next in line, but if you don't, if if this is something you don't want, I will." take responsibility and I will give her my protection and my rights as a husband. And, um, she, and the guy says, Oh no, I don't, I don't want this. You can have it. And so they take off their sandals as a form of agreement. They exchange sandals, exchange sandals. Yeah. They exchange sandals. And I think that, that there's something to do with it. I haven't looked this up. I actually have the resources to look it up, but I haven't looked it up. But I'm going to say that that has to do with the status of them as a kinsman redeemer. Which So the whole thing about Ruth is this is a model for us to see Jesus as our kinsman redeemer if we're Jewish, okay? But what's interesting is the kinsman that he's redeeming isn't Jewish, he's Gentile. So it's like a whole thing. Like I get goosebumps about these things. Maybe sometime we have to do a show on that. But but Ruth is broader a model of that kinsman's redeemer. So yes, the sandal, the exchanging of the sandals, um, was absolutely a thing back then. But I, I'm not going to pretend like I know all of the ins and outs of what that thing was. <laughs> but you're right. Absolutely right. It's it's definitely there in Ruth. Do you, um, did you have any more you want to say on that? Well, not that you, I mean, you know, I don't want to assume anything, but, you know. You're, you're you not know, assuming God, anything. We're just asking questions and chilling and talking for the I last mean, half hour. We're good. <laughs> I mean, you know, nothing catches God off guard, you know. He's, he's 
there's not like no plan B for guys because he's plan A, you know. And yeah, I agree. And it's like throughout, you know, the the Old Testament, we see, you know, the Jews here, the Jews that, you know, they're God's chosen people for a reason. But mm-hmm. in be- if, if we read in between the lines, God doesn't leave anybody behind because, you know, Rahab, she was a Gentile too, but she also received the grace of God because her and her family were also safe. So God right. never leaves anybody behind. And she ends up in the birth line of Jesus, if I'm not mistaken. Well, yes, she, I think she was the mother. She was the great-grandmother or something of, of, of was it Boaz, I think. Wasn't she Boaz or Ruth? Right, which means remember. that Ruth was also in the birth line of Jesus, yes. Yeah, so it's like, God, you know, God doesn't leave anybody behind. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. So it's it's a wonderful story. You know, the, I really feel like the more, you know, we end up reading the same scriptures over and over and over again for a lifetime, right? It's a big book, but you're reading the same scriptures over and over again. But I feel like, I feel like the first read was so powerful me, for me, and I always think to myself, well, if I read it again, it's not going to be the same. But as I learn and mature and understand more in my personal walk, and understand more about the historical context and understand more about um, the Jewish faith and background and, and what they preserved because we, I mean, we honestly um, owe the, the Jewish faith a lot for preserving uh, so much of what God was speaking over centuries. Um, and, and the more I learn about it and the more I read about it, I, it's never boring. There's a whole new layer. It's, there's, there's a whole new layer of blessing and promise and just God speaking love over pages and pages and pages to his his people until they come home to him. And like, like, it's you know, truly we, beautiful. I mean, you know, with all honesty, we got to, you know, obviously thank God above all and, you know, thank God for for the Jewish nation because, you know, God spoke to them first. Yeah. And it is... Yeah. It, Titled begin, you know, that chose them for a reason. And... But they went through a lot to preserve God's word and to preserve um, the culture in which he was going to bring about Messiah. And every time that they would move astray, like that there was, there were so many consequences to that. <laughs> like they went through a lot in order to be able to preserve God's word the way that they did. We we absolutely owe them a debt of gratitude. So, yeah. Um, so let's let's go back to our little questions here. They're, they aren't too bad. But sometimes, did I, um, did did you want to keep on with us or? Uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm here. I, I'm listening. Okay, great. Okay, so um, what do you guys see as barriers to surrendering to God fully? And it doesn't have to be one of yours. Don't feel like you have to call yourself out on air. Okay, um, I'm gonna say for me. I'm going to call myself out. It is literally 100% stubbornness. I really like to do what I like to do. Um, I have my plans for the day. I have my ideas of what I want to do. Um, I'm inspired to do the things that I want to do. And a lot of times it's hard for me to slow down and ask the Lord what he, what he wants. Um, so it's literally that independent streak that I have. Um, we like to call it um, in our household, it's, it's the heaven 
my my grandmother's uh, last name was Heberlein, and so it, it's it's the Heberlein stubbornness, um, and and it's a real thing. <laughs> it's a real thing. So uh, Mariah's shaking her head. So I think that she kind of feels a little bit of that too. Um, how about you, Mariah? Can you think of anything that can be a barrier to people fully submitting to God? Well, I definitely agree with stubbornness. Gosh, dang it. Um, man, it, it, it's, it's, it's hard, you know. But I also want to kind of take it to a, a twist, if I may. Um, is This is something we, my friends and I were talking about yesterday. But how in the Bible, Jesus is talking about how the Pharisees would often say, oh, well, this money doesn't belong to my parents. It belongs to God, which is like a perfect, like for certain standards, we'd be like, yeah, God gets, God gets first pick. But they, the Pharisees, wouldn't give anything to their parents. And so on one hand, if you go well further into the story, then Jesus says that if you want to follow God, like you have to leave your father and mother. And but so you got two different extremes. You got honor your father and mother, and then you got you got to leave them behind. And it's like God, where are you going with this? And and I think to tie this in with the question, what barriers surrounding to surrender to God fully is sometimes we even with good intentions of being fully submitted to God fully like representing God ourselves and fully leaning towards our parents it's like you can go too far in both sections you know how like there's some people that are just a little too saved where they're like just a little too they're oversaved yeah and they there is like to such an extreme where it's like you you're not holy you're just extreme in every form of word I'm trying. I'm having a hard time explaining I think, this. I think that that is called being so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Is what they talk about. That yes. <laughs> there we go. And I think that I can also fall into that where it's just like I get so wrapped up in doing God's will that I don't do anything. Well, and 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 let me just say I'm 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 basically a first generation Christian. My parents didn't go to church. Um, we had a unique spiritual makeup in our household. Um, and, and so, um, you know, I had to learn to hit that happy medium where um, you're called to honor your, your father and mother. I love my mom and my dad. I care very deeply for them. But I also had to learn to, um, I also had to learn to submit first to God and then submit to my parents. And if there was a, discrepancy between the two god came first and that's kind of where that balance comes from you you're you're blessed to be in a household with where your mom and dad are both actively seeking to honor the lord so you probably don't run into too many situations where in order to mind your mother and father you'd have to go against what the lord's called you to do um but uh i i can see where that happens and especially if you think in a culture where um jesus is becoming He's he's revealing himself as Messiah, and so there's going to be a lot of conflict um, in families and in synagogues, and so you can see where he's talking about how you have to leave your father and mother. Now the whole um, the whole thing with the Pharisees, and, and I'd have to refresh my memory on this. Um, there is a whole thing about that, uh, and it was because they were using rabbinical law 
um, in order to be able to um, keep all of their funds for themselves, thus impoverishing their parents. So there was like an actual thing about that, that what they were doing was not correct. Um, And so that's why that's in there. And it's just one of those things that we, as a Western mindset, we don't really understand because we don't have the historical context. But if you want, I'll look that up. And if anybody's interested, uh, you can just kind of post it on our Facebook page or whatever. Uh, Let me know, and I will see if I can come up with the answer to that question because I just don't happen to have it on the front of my mind, and I don't want to speak out of turn. Uh, What I do recall was that they were basically using some rabbinical loophole in order to keep themselves from having to pay towards their parents' retirement, in other words. Um, So uh, we've got about six minutes left. If anybody else wants to call in, we can have multiple callers. Uh, go ahead and call us at 319-527-6208. That's 519-527-6208. Don't forget to press 1 and let us know you're in queue. Ladies, I have one more question if anybody wants to answer this one. Um, if you have fully surrendered to God, which I know both you ladies have, um, how has your life changed as a result of that? <laughs> you couldn't hear my daughter. She goes, crickets. <laughs> Okay, I'll go. I'll go. Uh, let's see here. Because because for me, it might even be easier for me, Mariah, because I wasn't brought up in a church. So um, I came to know the Lord as a teenager and then started going to church really, really late, um, late teens, early 20s. So I started going at 19 years old. I was baptized at 19 years old at Cornerstone Christian Fellowship, where I still attend. Um, and I remember one of, one of the most impactful sermons I ever heard was a sermon that was given by my pastor, Pastor Greg. He was the founding pastor of our church, is retiring now. Um, and the, the sermon had to do with God as the potter and us as the clay. And it was entirely um, a sermon about submission, which was, for me at the time, a very new concept was that if I became a Christian, I no longer really was in charge of my life, but I was allowing the Lord to be the one to guide my steps and dictate what I was going to be and how uh, God would mold us and shape us. And sometimes um, if we didn't hold our form, he would have to like reball us up and start us over, but he would continue to mold us and shape us. Right. Um, and so that that was really impactful for me. And, um, you know, I will say that, that letting God be in charge was really, really hard for me early on in Christianity, uh, early on in my faith walk, so much so that I ended up twice divorced. I ended up um, having some really bad relationships and some, some uh, very difficult times in my life. But as I have become more and more uh, willing to submit to and follow God, I think that um, I, I would say I make less, fewer critical errors. Um, that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't mean I don't make mistakes, but I have a tendency to implode my entire life less often. <laughs> Anybody else on that? I think it so leads more to. Oh. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mariah. Well, um, I was just going to mention a friend that I know at my church, and I just found this out about him, but um, he 
doesn't um, work the same way that normal people do. He doesn't really have a, a job of, of some sort. And he, I asked him what, what that was about. And he said, well, God called me to trust him. And I was like, that is kind of weird, my friend. That, why, why are we doing that? Because usually that, that's not how things work. And he's like, no. So in all the churches who want a tithing sermon, here you go. You got like two-minute tithing sermon here. He's like, I tithe my money. Anything that I do get, God automatically gets 10% of it. But I don't just tithe money. I tithe my gifts, I tithe my talents, and I tithe my resources. So everything I, I have, I really do give to the Lord. And God blesses me. And he's like, granted, I'm not rich by any means. But because I'm putting God first, I have the freedom to go out and do things that normal people wouldn't be able to do. Because that's what God called me to. He's like, by no means. You like you should you should follow by tithing everything you have, but don't be quitting your job unless God tells you to. But in the meantime, this by submitting to God, I have freedom to do more for Him. What What was it that you had to say before we uh, before we head out? What was the What was the question again? If you have fully surrendered to God, how has your life changed? And we'll end on this. Well, you can say that, you know, being being with God, you know, there's, well, it's not good to be on the side of God, you know. I mean, even like, like as you were sharing, you know, with your story and that you didn't grow up in a Christian household and... You know, um, I'm from Mexico, and um, and for the six years, maybe ten years of my life, you know, uh, I guess we not knowing Jesus like we do now, um, and things, you know, things happen in your life even as a young age. And as an adult, you're like, oh, you could see the hand of God, God working in your life from a, from an earlier age. You're like, oh, you're like thinking back, and you're like, oh, Jesus, I might not know you then the way I do now, but thank you because I know you were there protecting me as well. You can see His hand was always there. Yeah, His hand is always there. Amen, sister. All right, well, we're going to have to, we're all out of time, so we're going to have to leave. Um, but if you stick around, we'll see you in the green room, okay? I hear you calling.